brothers and sisters, you are looking at the 21st century version of the five-fold ministry of the apostolic church. The apostles are here. Yeah, they the are. prophets are here. Yeah, they the are. evangelists are here. Yes. The pastors are here. Pastors. The teachers are teachers. here. Are you thankful for spiritual leadership in the 21st century? Woof. Right. General Conference 2022 in Orlando, Florida. It's a good conference. I was not there for uh, several good reasons. Sister G, Little Honey, Tornado, and Earthquake. (laughs) Those were my reasons. But uh, as many of you know, the Lord blessed my wife Anna and I with a third child, little baby Ezra, last year. And I just told my wife I will try not to travel unless I have to. So I did a few guest speaking opportunities here and there and other things. And as you know, General Conference, it is a big commitment. You know, if you're going to go, you might as well go for it all. That's that's just, you know, you just don't go a night and a day. Usually the guys that do that are the guys that just want to come in and, and vote for an agenda. Well, I'm not that way. I'm not much of a, an agenda or cause driven guy. I'm all about faith and experience. That's what I like in General Conference being the premier event certainly covers that great conference i tuned into most of it on youtube actually it was phenomenal i thought um joel urshan had a great word it's neat to hear those stories about um his his dad one of the uh former general superintendents of the united pentecostal church in a urshan who who met us uh, uh, some uh, the wife of some dignitary from Ethiopia, and I guess that kind of helped open the door for the revival in Ethiopia. Really neat history, really good message. Tim Gaddy was phenomenal. Tremendous church planner. Yeah, I've been to that church. I've been down to that church in Cabot, Arkansas. I think it was about 2011. Came down there, preached a youth week. Tremendous operation, tremendous system. Great leader, great preacher. Always liked Brother Gaddy. I played golf with Brother Gaddy once. Uh, he can play. He can play a great man, great church, great family. Yeah, Bishop uh, Bernard was phenomenal. Some great words, always great vision, great direction for the people. And just uh, we're if you know anything about this podcast, we're very fond of DKB's ministry. Friday night, though, I got to tell you, it was so special because it was very unique. Very unique. And they had several speakers up there representing all of the fivefold ministry. You had... Uh, the teacher, which was David Norris, you had the pastor, which was uh, uh, Dr. Art Wilson, you had the evangelist, Nick Mahaney, you had the prophet, Jason Sisko, and the apostle, Mark Morgan. And I, you know, my a lot of people don't know this, uh, my dad, Bishop Stan Gleason, Assistant General Superintendent of the Western Zone, he, he came on this podcast several episodes ago and talked about uh, this this um, theme that we're really trying to introduce this conversation about the fivefold ministry on a um, UPCI level, and it's it's needed, and we want it. It's time for it, and I think there's a lot of great insight into it from uh, great preachers, teachers, men and women of God that have been living it and doing it, written about it. Time to start talking about it and get it really going. And it was a phenomenal service. You could just, first of all, feel how pleased the Holy Ghost was uh, with it. 
You could just feel the spirit was in agreement with it. You ever been in a church service where it just feels weird and you have no idea why it feels weird? I'll tell you why. The Holy Ghost isn't agreeing with what is going on. Either whoever's up there taking offering has sin in their life or whoever's preaching up there has a, a, a weird agenda. They're into false doctrine or something going on. But I could just feel the Holy Ghost agreement in all of that. There, there was a lot of worry for that service that it was going to go forever. Did, did you know, and I, I timed services. I, I was the associate pastor here for many, many years at the Life Church, now the pastor-elect. And I was watching my clock all the time. Not that I was wanting it to get over, but I was just looking at the timing of everything because timing is everything. You know, when you're in the pulpit on the platform, you don't think about time. You're you're thinking about what you're what you're doing, your performance, your presentation, right? And but so I, I would time it. Well, I timed every other service, not to compare, but they <laughs> they started the altar call Friday night sooner and quicker, far sooner than quicker than any of the other services. They got five-fold ministry, five men of God up there to represent all uh, departments of the five-fold ministry, all five giftings. Some call it offices. I'm okay with both. I, I prefer to say giftings. It's kind of how I view most of it. Got up there and respected the time, said more in less time, and it was just tremendous. And I felt just so inspired by it, and I thought it was just great. But And I thought it was good because all year... I've, you know, I, I'm a conversation guy. I talk to a lot of a lot of a lot of people about stuff that's going on in the church world and just the world in general. And I read a lot of what people post on social media. I quit commenting. I, I had to eliminate eliminate that from my life because you can really get sucked into a, a deep conversation and God forbid a, a social media war. I'm not against them. Do them. They're fine. I, I'm not saying don't do them, but just for time's sake, I, I just, I can't do that. So I just kind of read and learn. And then I sort of comment here <laughs> on this podcast. That's why it was kind of invented. This is, this is how I comment on your post right here uh, behind this great microphone with this great platform, with this great uh, audience of loyal listeners. And I saw a lot this year of conference hate going on in social media a lot of guys some even some friends of mine like guys i associate with and i'm like what is going on they're hating on conferences uh basically and in you know a lot of them are using really good language you know about it such as the conference speaker is not going to be the one to bury your grandmother. It'll be your pastor. You need to be more excited about hearing your pastor than a conference speaker. Well, okay, I get that. But I, I'm just looking at all of this stuff, and I'm wondering, what, why all the conference hate uh, lately? And I, I made some notes here, and I realized you know, we're coming out of COVID-19. It's mysteriously disappearing as it arrived. I remember saying that in the beginning of this, that that's what would happen as mysteriously as it arrived, it will disappear. And that's what happened. And and now we got the flu. Oh, do we got the flu? I'm, I'm telling you, you are listening to Justin C. Gleason. Please consider following and keeping this podcast playing in the background of your productive day. Give a five star rating and support by giving through Cash App, PayPal or Venmo at Justin C. Gleason. It's 2022, the year we prevail.
You know, the last few years, I've gotten a lot of listeners that have written in talking about how much anxieties they have about Thanksgiving. They're wanting to know how to have conversation with relatives that they don't have anything in common with. And then they're worried about their kids having to be around other weird cousins and stuff and all other kinds. You know, people have anxieties about Thanksgiving. And, and I, I hope you survived your Thanksgiving. I hope you thrived in your Thanksgiving. I hope you had a good time and enjoyed it. But uh, I'm sure there was a lot of talk at, at your Thanksgiving table, maybe about if you got apostolic family or friends, about general conference and your camp meeting because of the times and, you know, these big major platforms that help kind of shift and direct our particular line of fellowship. I got to think of why are so many social media influencers and church planners and younger preachers and whoever, even some podcasters out there hating on the conferences, like telling everybody, don't go to them. They're a waste of your time. Don't go to them. God's not in it. You know, God is only in five, six or seven hyphen H people sitting around in some attic somewhere with a, with a guitar rocking back and forth and, and it was singing these super cool hipster songs. And then the pastor doesn't stand up. He stays there with his legs crossed, no socks, wide angles, ankles hanging out. And uh, uh, reads a little bit from the Bible, then picks up a book with Gandhi's face on it, reads more from that book, and then kind of teaches about love and acceptance and share, man, share. You know, God's in that. He's not in big groups, man. You know, it's got to be small, man, really like in touch and personable. Look, God can move where there's two or three or two or three million. <laughs> So I, 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 so I made some notes here and I, just my observations. I love to observe the world and write about it and talk about it. And here you go. This is why we had a lot of conference hate this year. And you didn't get it from me. You got a, quite a bit of conference love from me. I'll talk more about it. Here's what I think is going on. Conferences, if you're not careful, they can make you feel really small. You know, as, as a pastor, as a preacher, you can feel really small because you're looking up on the pulpit and there's a guy up there who's just preaching the house down. And you're like, what's wrong with me? Why am I not up there? Oh, my God. You know, am I just as good as him or worse or what? And you start comparing yourself to that person. And I think that's what's going on. A lot of these guys, they're hating on conferences simply because they weren't on the on the Rasta. <laughs> they weren't scheduled to preach. And therefore, they're hating on it because they feel small. That That's how small men treat big men. Small men need big old problems, you know, to survive. So they cannot stand to see the sight and to hear the sound of someone else's success. And it makes them feel absolutely uh, worthless. And they're just left asking themselves, why am I not up there? A lot of these uh, praise and worship leaders who, who think they're absolutely just amazing in every Sunday you know, they have those 75 minute long worship segments wearing everybody out. And by the time the pastor gets up there, everybody's ready to go home. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think there's a lot to be learned from a lot of those conferences. I mean, the UPC, they, I mean, they, the order of service, it's spectacular. It's amazing how much they can get done in that amount of time. It's really important to do. I, I hear people complain about the services, and I'm like, come on, your local churches, your services are twice as long as that. There's no focus, no streamline, just a lot of babbling. You let whoever, some lady, get up and uh, promote this fundraiser, that fundraiser, this this event, that event, for 27 minutes. Doing more in less time is how, is how you're going to get it done. But So conferences, if they make you feel small, you're just a small person. 
You can't think big picture. You can't think wide range. You do nothing for carryover. It's all about small things, small things. So yeah, I could understand why you hate conferences like that. Yeah, go ahead. Hate on it. Hate on it. Hate on it. Be as small as you want to be. Get so small we can't even see you're there. Okay, but for the rest of us who think big picture, and it's not about who is up there, but what is being said. That's one of the reasons I like going to conferences. I I don't have to do anything. You really, <laughs> I mean, around here, you know, it's hard for me to like enjoy church. Now I get something from it. I receive from it. I'm always fed, no matter who is singing or who's preaching here at the church. I, I'm just that way. Even if a little kid is up there. Uh, like, you know, for the kids Christmas plays, you know, I'm all ears. It's cute. It's funny. It's sweet. But you know what? That kid is going to know something about the Bible and see something that I haven't seen before. And I always try to listen. I always try to engage. I always try to be open to receive something from somebody else because God talks to all of us, right? All of us have different experiences. But it's hard to really enjoy it when you got responsibilities and things to do. So it's nice for me just to show up to a conference, not have to worry about a thing, not have to worry about if the building's all opened up, if the lights are on, if all the slides are there, if the title is there, if all the ushers are there, all of the sopranos are there, and the altos are there, and the tenors are there, and the piano player, and the organ player, and the and and the guitar player, and the bass player, and the drummer, and the auxiliary, and whoever else is there. Hopefully, and 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 sitting there having to worry about, are we going to have a tambourine player show up? I'm about to start telling tambourine players, uh, please put it away. It's offensive to our culture. <laughs> they can't argue with that, right? <laughs> so, enjoy those conferences. If you're feeling small, yeah, don't come. You're just small. Stay small. Live small. Be small. All right. Um, I think another reason why they're hating on conferences lately is because they feel like these conferences are a distraction from the real mission, the church. Well, okay, I guess it could be a distraction simply because it could break up your regular monthly routine. Taking time off you know, three or four nights, you know, in a, in another city in a strange place away from your normal church and ministry situation where you labor, I guess that could be a real distraction. But if that's the case, then why why are so many people going on vacations and experiences? Some of these haters, and I'm not going to call them out by name. It hasn't come to that yet. You know, they're not calling anybody else by by name. So I'm not going to call them out by name. It's just, we're just talking here, right? And, you know, I see a lot of them. They're always on vacations. Everywhere I look, they're on mountain bikes up, up, up where the pines are and the mountains are. And I'm thinking, is that a distraction from your real mission? Is that what helps you focus on your church and your people and your Bible studies as the trees and your bikes? Uh, why not in a, in a big apostolic audience where miracles can happen, right? I don't know. And then lastly, I think this is the most common, and it's, it's sad. We have a lot of self-hating apostolics among us. It's just sad. They hate themselves. And they're disgruntled against the UPC because they never got a shot to be something great. Their book was never published. Their sermon was never preached. Their picture was never shared. You know, they're just disgruntled they, and they hate themselves because they haven't, they thought they would be great and, and have fame by now. And so therefore they're hating on our conferences lately. They're just a self-hating apostolic. They hate the holiness. They hate the message. They hate this. They hate that. And so they got to, so they hate themselves, but they don't want to let everybody know they hate themselves. So they hate uh, externally on something big and famous and great, such as, 
our big conferences from the United Pentecostal Church and some of our vanguard churches with successful pastors and successful worship teams and successful this and that and have great conferences, okay? That's why. It's one of the reasons why our, our church is so hated, you know, by some people. We do the passing the mantle thing and people just can't stand to see another building packed out on a Friday night and they can't get nothing together on a Friday night. So they got to hate on that conference. It's not the devil. It's not of God. It's this and that and the other. Cannot celebrate somebody's success. Put that on your New Year's resolution. Celebrate somebody else's success. And in doing that, you'll start to think higher, start to think greater, and you can come up from your small little toadstool that you sit on and move to a bigger chair. That's how this works. That, I could tell you, believe me. Now, they're not all is lost. Like I told you, I, li- I like to glean from everybody I can. I like to glean from everybody I can. So I read these posts. I listen to some podcasts, all this conference hate. And, you know, some of them make some good points. There are there are conferences out there and people that are started for the wrong reason. And then there's good conferences and people go to them for the wrong reason. Right? Um, I remember back in the day... Passing the mantle, evangelist Lee Stonking, one of the greatest evangelists of our time, who come to our church year after year, and there was always these same people, these, I don't know how else to say it, but just like these, um, you know, they were nice guys, but the, the men would, the, these people would always come to every conference, every year after year after year, and they'd make sure, they'd show up early, they'd leave late. Uh, none of the guys wore suit and ties. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, but I mean, all of them were in overalls and boots and flannel. Just these country bumpkin people, nice people, hard, very difficult to talk to, no conversation. I, I don't know. I, I try to have conversations with everybody. Conversation really is a lost art, but you know, I'd be 14 or 15 wanting to greet them and welcome them to Kansas City and come out and try to talk. You couldn't just talk to them. Then even when I got older, 22, 23, 24, 25, still can't talk to them. And I figured it out. Somebody let me in on a little secret. There were Lee Stone King roadies. They... <laughs> You know, that didn't take much for them to live on, but they would leave their farms, leave their property, wherever they live, their trailer parks or something, and get into their trailers and just, they would figure out wherever Brother Stone King was and would do America and travel all around from conference to conference and camp to camp just to be around him. That is going to a conference for a wrong reason. So I can get why there's some hatred because all of them, if you're a conference hopper, you have no pastor and you see that you see somebody on social media, everywhere they look. Everywhere you look, they're at some different conference, they're at, and they're not preaching it, they're not singing at it, they're not doing anything for it, they're just always there, they're there. Uh, they, they're a church hopper. They don't have a pastor. They don't have a church. They can't be anywhere where somebody really gets to know them, because if somebody truly and really gets to know them, the more less and less respect they have for them. But they know how to make a good impression for a few days and make a few friends and feel important and feel celebrated and feel loved and attached to something great, and then they go back home to uh, nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. So that's the wrong reason to go to a conference, hopping around, looking for, you know, friends and here and there and celebrate and get your picture taken. And, and then, you know, you church top all over the section, moving here, moving there, just conference, 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 conference. Yeah, I could see why there's conference hate because <laughs> you're not doing anything. I mean, that's not meaningful, right? That is the need for attention, the need for uh, the appearance of success. Not good. And then there's wrong reasons to start a conference. If you, if your conference has started just to be the biggest show in town, <laughs> the big the biggest show in the section, uh, it ain't gonna be big. It'll be so small because God ain't in it. Oh Jesus, backs up from that stuff. 
No, the Lord wants to partner with somebody that'll make it all about him and all about people and all about truth and all about the mission. So, yeah. But uh, so I, I didn't go to a, a whole lot of meetings that I normally go to this year. I, I stayed home uh, for little uh, our third baby, little Ezra's his first year, first year of life. Didn't travel much here and there, but I did go to one conference that I, I just I don't know. I really was kind of interested in it. In it, and evangelist Caleb Herring. Caleb Herring's been a guest here on this show. Tremendous preacher, tremendous evangelist, and a and a friend of mine. And he told me about this conference down in uh, Fort Smith, Arkansas. Church in Fort Smith. Pastor Sullivan. A beautiful church, by the way. Beautiful campus. That that whole Northwest Arkansas is such a good vibe. Uh, gorgeous, nice people. Everything is just, it's its a clean, good part of America. That I can tell you, believe me. And that, But they got all the great food that you think of in Arkansas. Let me tell you, some of the best food in America comes out of Arkansas. And I, I tell you what, they know how to fry fish. <laughs> they know how to do it. And hush puppies, all of that. I mean, just mm, great taste. They know It's just in them. They just know how to do it everywhere you go. So uh, I went down there to pursue... And I was so glad I did. I, I just went down there for a day session. And one of the people that I was really interested in meeting is a um, evangelist by the name of Scott Shelton. Scott Shelton. And I, re- I remember hearing about him in the early 2000s. And <laughs> I got to say, the guy that told me, he said, he said, Justin, I'm telling you, he is sensitive to the Holy Ghost. He said, there's been times where uh, he has known when a woman is menstruating. And... <laughs> I remember the guy that told me this. I looked at him. I thought, there's just no way. There's no way. Why would God even reveal that to a man, you know, or a woman or anybody? That's so crazy. So so I get down to the there to the conference. Scott Shelton is preaching away, and I'm just there taking notes, receiving, and he stops. He points right at me, and he goes, let me tell you. Some of you newer pastors, and he and I've never met him. He doesn't know who I am. He just points to me and he says, "Beware of people who will want to dump their junk on you." He said, "Now I know you need to listen. I know you need to pray. I know you need to care." But he said, "There are people that will dump their junk on you, so they can sleep at night and put it all on you. So you're going to be up all night." And I was like, "Oh my God, yes, that's me." Is <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe because I'm such a good listener and such a good talker <laughs> that people. Have no, and I'm not a judgmental person. I'm, I'm really not. I know sometimes I can be bombastic and have a lot of ridicule here on this show, but in real life, face to face, I'm totally not that way. I take on a different persona here of this podcast, but I thought that is a word for me. So I, I knew that he was sensitive to the Holy Ghost, meaning he can see what God sees, he can hear what God hears, he can say what God wants to say, and all of that. So. <laughs> I, I go up to him. We're at the restaurant, and uh, and Brother Herring is there. A couple other great preachers are there. Uh, A.J. Holloway was there. Dan McLeod was there. I got to sit next to Dan McLeod. Man, is he good people. He's a missionary uh, in Eastern Europe for a while, now back here in the States. Very interesting to talk to. Great preacher and, and teacher. And so uh, <laughs> Aaron Herod was there. Great to reconnect with him. Just a lot of good stuff. A lot of good people that were there. So I go up and I want to meet Scott Shelton. I said, now, Brother Shelton, I said, the first time I heard about you and I brought up the whole menstruating thing, (laughs) he laughs and he's frustrated. He goes, why are people still saying that? He goes, that ain't true. That's not true. (laughs) 
He's, he, he debunked those theories, so I'm debunking it right now here on this podcast. Now, look, okay, we're talking about fivefold ministry. You want to know something about a prophet? They don't see everything that you've ever done. They don't know everything about you. They only know what God knows. They only see what God sees. And, 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 to, and to be more detailed, they only know what God wants them to know. They only see what God wants them to see. They only understand what God wants them to understand. It's all about what God is doing. And so uh, we, I, I, I knew that had to be a lie, but I had to know it for myself. And of course, it's way off. And uh, but no, he is a delightful evangelist. One of the, it's one of the best. He ministered to me on a very, very uh, personable level. And I, I was talking to a brother Caleb Herring about this. Other preachers, we need to have more content about prophetic ministry. And I've, I'm trying, I'm making plans for 2023, and I think we're going to talk about that more. We're going to talk about that because when when we think of fivefold ministry, everybody thinks teacher. Yeah, that's yeah, that's great. Those little teachers there, you know, back in the Sunday school classes and at Purpose Institute. Yeah, God bless them. Yeah. Then you think of pastors, and it's like, oh, oh, you know, my pastor. I love my pastor. An evangelist. Yeah, we like those evangelists. Them fire evangelists come in and and really shake it up. You know, and a few folks get the Holy Ghost, and a few folks get baptized. When you think of prophets. I mean, everybody's uh, glutes clench. Everybody's toes in their shoes curl. <laughs> they get so nervous around them. And you don't need to be nervous. If you're nervous, you probably got sin in your life. Uh, so, hey, if prophetic ministry makes you want to repent, I say bring it on, right? Isn't that the first thing you do to get saved? Repent and be baptized? Not be baptized and repent, but Repent. And uh, uh, be baptized. So I say bring on the prophets. Bring them on. The fear of God needs to hit the land. It needs to hit the church. These prophetic men and women, we're going to be um, bringing you content in 2023. I make guarantees. I usually don't. I, I don't like to be all talk, no action. But we're going to do it. I, I feel to talk about it. My experiences, things I've learned, things I've kept to myself uh, for uh, two decades now, I just sort of do it naturally, and then we'll talk about the ministry of an apostle. Oof. And that is coming big to initiate spiritual flow in very dry areas. We're going to be bringing those apostles on. Uh, that I can tell you, uh, believe me. So, yeah, so yeah, uh, evangelist Scott Shelton really um, ministered to me on a per- uh, personal level. I got to meet Jonathan Sanders, he was there too. He is definitely a prophetic man of God. So a lot, a lot of great, great uh, things happen there. And then, of course, Pastor Sullivan, just uh, a tremendous shepherd, built a great, well, a beautiful place of worship there. And then tremendous people it was left there very refreshed there at that conference. So, but yeah, I've had uh, some life changing moments in our conferences. You know, Pentecost was really born in a conference type setting. Where, where did we meet at? It wasn't like old church steeples or whatever. We, we met in old warehouses. If, if you were doing really well financially, this is back in the early 1900s. If you, could, if you had some money, you could get an old warehouse. You know, uh, scoop out the old rotten hay and the horse pucky, and you could have church. <laughs> and then we met under tents. It was a traveling evangelist that brought Pentecost from town to town to town. It was great. Yeah, then brush arbors. Right. 
Yeah, but you know when you think of those old warehouses under tents, brush arbors, do you think of pastors and teachers? No, you don't. You know who was there under those tents? Who was there in those brush arbors, there in those old warehouses? It was evangelists. It was apostles. It was prophets. They were the movers and shakers, let me tell you. They sure were. But at conferences have meant a lot to me. I remember it was in a 1998 Missouri District Youth Convention. Still a phenomenal meeting. It was Ken Gurley was the night speaker, and it was on Friday night. And he had all of us push our chairs back. We had those folding chairs, you know, had us push them all back. And we changed that whole uh, convention auditorium into one big altar call. And it was something like 175 kids got the Holy Ghost that night. I mean, it was just Holy Ghost shout down. And it moved upon me so much and so dear to me. I've never forgotten the feelings and what I saw there. And I just, it was like in my mind, I thought it's real and there's nothing else for me. Powerful altar call. I just, I just got the revelation of how powerful an altar call is. And so I'm, <laughs> it stuck with me. That's why I love altar calls so much to this day. That's really what's missing from this podcast. We got to have an altar call somehow. But I know you do. I know you pray. I know a lot of you, I, I get writings. Some of you contact me and you just tell me, I just weep and I talk in tongues when I listen to you. So we're, we're getting uh, altar calls here and there. Another great um, conference because of the times. That's that's another big one. I haven't been in a few years. I, I need to get back down there. I love I love Louisiana. That food down there, man, that Cajun food, that's just good. And then, of course, because of the times, it's great. We love the mangans and uh, all, all, all of that. Uh, it was in 2004, and I could tell Brother Mangan, uh, Bishop Anthony Mangan, it's it just phenomenal, by the way, successful pastor, conference speaker, created a great conference. I remember him, I, I was uh, having breakfast with him and some other preachers a few years ago, and I, I say it, I, I just mentioned that like I'm his buddy. I'm not his friend. <laughs> I, he, he knows my dad, and that's how I got there at that table is through my dad. Okay, I'm not like schmoozing and, and, and cool and, and, you know, buddy buddies with Bishop Bangin and Bishop Williams and, and all of those guys. That's just not how it works, but I just happened to be at the table. And I could tell he, he knew I wanted to ask him a question. I said, Brother Mangan, you know, I because of the times it was created before I was born, why did you create it? And he said, well, we had a lot of young evangelists who were being deceived by a lot of guys who left the faith for the charismatic movement. And uh, he said, I wanted to create a conference to keep us focused on apostolic ministry, our doctrine, our holiness, and all of that. And I just, I was just so moved by that. And there are key moments, and because of the times, a lot of it ministers to to uh, preachers who are hurting, who are frustrated, who just need a you know, to feel loved and preached to. And that is so good. That's always there. But there's always a moment there in that conference where it's where the Mangan really reaches out. And one of his his, his his speakers really reach out to guys who are like the ages 18 to 25 who are really impressionable. And they're really at that, that age in life where they're either going to go way left or way right or stay right down the middle. And that year, Jerry Dean, Pastor Jerry Dean Bishop now, a phenomenal preacher and teacher. He preached for my name's sake. And he talked a lot about miracles and healings. And I, it was just powerful. I remember he had his wife, Sister Dean, come up there. 
and uh, talked about a praying woman who doesn't cut her hair, lives holy. And I'm, I just remember seeing her and I'm like, oh my God, I want a wife like that someday. And I got one, praise God. But it was a message just gripped my heart. And he really went after guys who have who felt a, a call to prophetic ministry. And Brother Mangan got up there and did that. And in, in later on the conference, Brother Stone King did that. And what was something was just a few months before that, the Lord had called me to New Testament prophetic ministry. I remember running there up there on that platform. Brother Dean clamped down on my head. I mean, I was down on the floor. It was powerful. Brother Mangan comes up. He's praying for me. I don't know why I did this. I reached up and I grabbed his necktie. It was just it was just right there in front of my, I just grabbed a hold. It was like getting a hold of a mantle or something. And before I knew it, I looked around other gateway guys all were grabbing on his shoes and on his pant cuffs and on the vents of his suit coat. We were all getting a hold of the garments of the man of God. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it was just powerful. So it really uh, confirmed a lot of what I was feeling. So the conferences did that for me. So they've added value for me. I go to conferences that were created for the right reasons. I go for the right reasons. And so uh, be gentle and delicate when you hate on conferences. So I think 2023 conferences are about to explode because we know the um, benefit of them uh, for the fellowship. Okay, don't go anywhere. Stay tuned for more. The Justin C. Gleason podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more. Please leave a five-star rating and a great review. Contact me at justincgleason at gmail.com. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason. And share this episode with your friends. We're taking the genre of religion and spirituality to another level. Hello, my name is Louise. I'm 24 years old. And I'm here... Oh. <laughs> I'm here because I don't have a future. No future. Oh. And you might hate me for doing this. I, I don't and hate you're you. entitled to hate me. Poor girl. But I wish you would direct all that anger and hatred at our government. Uh, I'm not gonna they are betraying young okay. people like me. I would love to be no, there okay. if they did their lawful duty to their own citizens. Oh. I'm part of the Just Stop Oil Coalition demanding an end to oil. all new oil and gas licenses in the UK. What we're asking for Climate is what change. all the scientists are asking for, what the United Nations Science. are asking for, United the Nations. International Energy, Listen to the Art Wilson. Listen to Art Wilson, not the scientist. Art Wilson. If you continue licensing oil and gas for you to listen, listen. Why does it take young people like me? Young people. (laughs) Whoa. Okay, I'm not trying to make fun. I'm not even going to try to have fun. Because this is a. You probably saw this. It's a video that went viral of this girl standing up on a bridge and hating on oil and you know i gotta say i appreciate what she did she didn't dump soup or uh paint or uh uh spray or wipe human excrement upon a painting like a lot of her other associates are doing these climate change activists who are vandalizing beautiful art ancient art and and just trashing a city all in the name of climate change that's how you know uh, an idea message is 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 totally stupid when they start destroying things to get their message across did jesus ever destroy anything no they destroyed him 
<laughs> he didn't destroy anything. Did he set anything on fire? Did he uh, take the blood of a goat and wipe it all over the temple and say, you have ruined men's salvation? No, he didn't. He didn't destroy anything. He put things together. He built things up. And so, thankfully, Louise, age 24, who has no future, she didn't destroy anything. She just gave a message, uh, crying and screaming and and all of that. And I've read some stuff about climate change just as much as the next person. And I can't say that I believe it because uh, the way the message is presented, it's presented with, you know, we only got seven to ten years and the world is over. Well, they keep saying that, and they're trying to back it up with science, and the science isn't there. It's not happening. Things are not going the way they predicted, and they're having to change their language. You remember the global warming? Well, the the atmosphere didn't get warm. It got cooler. (laughs) So now they got to go to climate change. Now it's changed to climate science. (laughs) Science. You know, you got to throw science in there. Bad theology. Uh, bad information is always covered in familiar language. Don't forget that. So, But what I want to focus on here in this last segment is she said, I have no future. I really feel like a lot of Gen Z feel that way in, in the world and really in the church too. They're wondering, do I even have a future? And they will especially think about that this time of the year. It really everybody does. I just learned this time of the year, uh, right after Halloween, you get into mid-November, Thanksgiving's coming up and Christmas and New Year's, you really start to think about yourself because who you really are will come out this time of the year, no matter who you are. You know, a wedding, uh, it's hard to hide a family dynamic and an individual dynamic at a wedding. If your family's dysfunctional, it'll come out in your wedding. It just will. But uh, we bury the hatchet, everybody looks the other way, and everybody just focuses on the bride and groom. When it comes to a funeral, your family dynamic will come out. If it's a dysfunctional family, it'll come out. If it's a healthy, loving family, it will really come out, let me tell you. You can't hide who you are in, in, in weddings and funerals. This time of the year, you really can't hide who you are. To yourself, that is. This type of year, if you're lonely, you will realize just how lonely you really are. This time of the year, if you are stressed, you will realize just how stressed you really are. There's something about the season of gratitude and the season of giving and the season of hope and joy where you just realize how much you need to be thankful, how much you need a savior and how much you need to get your life back on track. That's Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year's. Be grateful, be open for God and get your life together. And so some people are wondering, do I even have a future. What do you think is uh, uh, blocking your future? For Louise, age 24 in the United Kingdom, it's oil. She has no future because of oil. I'm not so certain about that, but I'm not going to argue with her. I didn't comment. I didn't send her a message. I'm just (laughs) using her for an example because there's no copyright on her video and I'm not going to get in trouble. And uh, it's, you know, when somebody's screaming and crying, you can't help but listen. That's how people have gotten their point across this year. A lot of screaming and crying. Uh, Zelensky, President Zelensky, screaming and crying and threatening Russia with American money and resources. <laughs> He's kind of slowed that down. But like all at the beginning of this year, that's all we heard. You know, I. <laughs> you know, preachers used to scream and cry a lot. We haven't been. We've kind of calmed down and been more conversational. But 
back on point here, do you, are you worried about your future? If you can keep gratitude in your heart, such as Thanksgiving, you got a future. You do. It's there. It's very difficult to hate yourself and to hate your life and to have fear and worry if you're grateful. When you're grateful, it helps you focus on things that really matter. And being focused on things that really matter, you can better those things and have a future. <laughs> what about podcasting? It's the future, right? I haven't said that in a while. Maybe I need to say that more. Podcasting is the future. Okay. So what are you worried about your future? What are you worried about? School, education, marriage? Start being grateful. Oh, yes. Guys, you want to get a girl's attention, have a grateful attitude, and you will attract every girl. Because let me tell you, girls naturally are very self-conscious. And a guy who is thankful and grateful for him, you'll keep her. Christmas is coming up the season of giving and cheer and love and joy and family and having a good family dynamic. You keep that going in your life. You got a future. You really do. Being grateful and then having a good functional family, it's a future. And then New Year's, think about what you want to do. You know what you need to do. You know what you need to do. Do it. When will it happen? It'll happen when you make it happen. When will it stop? It'll stop when you stop it. A lot of your future is in your control. Not everything is in your control, but a lot of your future. You can control you and your surroundings and your settings. You can have a future when you're grateful. You can have a future when you make it about Jesus the Savior. And you can have a future when you plan for your future. I'm Justin C. Gleason. Stick with me uh, as we close this year out. Uh, Lord willing, we're going to bring you a lot of great content. Lord willing, we'll have a lot to, to talk about. It's been an unusual year for me. A lot of... A lot, a lot of stuff that I had to do, had no time to really focus on the things that I want to do. So, you, you know, you, I made a, a, a list the other day. I had a, what am I doing? What should I do be doing? And what do I want to be doing? <laughs> and thankfully, the should be doing was the longest of them all. So I haven't really been able to do uh, what am I doing and and uh, what I want to be doing a lot this year. I had to do a lot of should be doing <laughs> But hey, it's been a productive year, but uh, hopefully we can um, get back on track and, and continue to publish every every week in here on the Justin C. Gleason podcast. I love all of you. Peace be with you in Jesus name. Jesus name.